rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. Okay, so El Mundo Hira means the world tour, which is pretty much a perfect encapsulation of what the fuck this episode even is, because what does that have to do with anything that happens in this episode? So I actually read it as the world turns was the translation I found, um, figuring because it, 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 I, I took it as a reference to the show as the world turns because it's supposed to be like a telenovela kind of story in a lot of ways. That makes more sense, but that's it's not what Hira means. So I don't know well, where anyone would have gotten that translation from, but that's well, the issue. I looked up, and apparently this was the same fellow who wrote uh, Teso dos Bijos. Yeah, Tesos dos Bijos, yeah. So I don't think his Spanish was the best. I, I think that that's correct. Also, I believe that that's Portuguese. But anyway, you know, he's really <laughs> bad at Spanish because he that with Spanish. Okay. Um, yeah, this is John Sheban, I believe. And uh, I think that what we are seeing with the X-Files is that... Um, the elevation of the televisual art form in the X-Files um, is a little problematic sometimes because <laughs> while some writers are very up to the task, some are not. And they probably would like I feel like this would have been like a forgettable, if somewhat entertaining episode if it had just been like a straight up monster of the week like no weirdnesses around unreliable narrators or framing devices yeah, or anything. Because... And it just like at some point, like this is, this episode is completely unobjectionable for about 35 minutes. And then it completely <laughs> goes off the rails. I have no idea yeah. what happened in the last 10 minutes. I will need your help to figure it out because, but I think that's the episode's problem in general. Like, I have to say, this was a really bad episode that I enjoyed. Like, I did kind of have fun watching this. I thought the fungus scenes were really... Again, sometimes I just want to see creepy shit, and the fungus scenes were creepy shit. Um, and, and it was good as a delivery system for that. Um, it's a fine Monster of the Week episode, but kind of like Sanguinarium, it feels the need to attach a... Be, uh, a, a philosophical moral to that to elevate it and unlike sanguinarium which kind of realized that it was bullshit and was as much as it needed to be i think this episode does think it's making points about the life of you know migrant workers in america and the fact that these are considered disposable people and all of that again the x-files does ever so often take us into a place of disposable people and show us a horror story taking place as an emanation of that. But but then write that the episode. Yeah, the monster in this is not an emanation of the disposability of migrant workers. It's just a, a, a monster of the week that's taking place in a quote-unquote exotic location. It's a guy with a mushroom head. Yeah, I, I don't... I fundamentally don't know what John Sheban, um, like yeah. what drugs he was on. And... The uh, ayahuasca stuff from uh, Taste of Despicious. I just feel like he should not try. 
Like he's a better writer when he doesn't try. Yeah, and, and then to, and to make it worse, he also not only is he trying to do a social meaning, but then he tries to do this meta storytelling thing about the unreliability and the importance of stories in a place like this, which doesn't work either. And so you have these weird two attempts that are kind of hammered onto it and very poorly so. Yeah, because I mean, like he doesn't write a lot for the show. He writes like one episode a season about, uh, you know, before. Tasis to Species, which you know, of course, was was a complete and utter mess. Uh, he wrote the walk, and that was fine. Like it was not our favorite episode, oh, and yeah? I don't think either of us were like in love with it. But it was a fine episode, and it also didn't really have any strange framing devices or unreliable narrators yeah. of what the fuck ever is going on in this episode. I I I feel like at some point we'll we're going to have to talk about the fact that just not everybody was up to the task of writing the X-Files yeah. when it was at its best. And like, I understand the impulse to not do a straight up monster of the week episode. I get it. I think that the show is, but, is, is, is beyond that to some degree, but at the same time, I think it's a little churlish to say the show is beyond that because yeah. that was what defined the show for a long time. That is sort of one of the reasons why it was, I mean, the mythology episodes were why the show was like popular, but the monster of the week episodes really gave the show its flavor and defined the show to a large degree. And I and think they're it, the ones. Well, and then, then the show, like after the third season, just spent the next six years, like trying to get out from under that. And it doesn't always work. Yeah. I mean, we tend to like the monster of the week episodes. We've talked a lot about that. I think, in some ways, the mythology was popular because of its novelty, but we've seen that kind of thing done much better in the, you know, it's 20 years later. And so their attempts to transcend their Monster of the Week episodes and kind of the shame they feel about making those at times, yeah, it does strike us as weird and like protesting too much. You know, I would have rather they'd had the confidence to make the Monster of the Week episodes. I mean, if this episode were were slightly better, I would even mm-hmm. almost call it pretentious, but it's not quite competent enough to be pretentious. I I just I don't know what happens well, in the last it, 10 minutes. Like the thing what is happened, like well, it's, the, it's it's a well it's a straight up monster of the week episode, right? Well, except for the very beginning which does have yeah. It does does introduce this framing device, right? So it introduces the the older woman who lives in the the, the migrant camp, uh, who originally witnesses the the events at the beginning of the episode, and then witnesses um, the uh, people in the hazmat suits taking Alario away at the end of the yeah. episode. And yes, Mulder and Scully are not there to see that; they are actually the ones that are coming over the hill with uh, the people in the hazmat suits, so they don't get that view of it so she thinks it's something very different from what it actually is but it it also doesn't seem to really have anything to do with anything else and what's more is that the episode forgets that it has this framing device for like the first like 30 minutes of the show and then then what's worse is that and i'll let you talk in a minute and then what's worse is like it introduces a second framing device of 
the the beautiful Maria telling this Gabriella her, her, Gabriella whatever like their Maria's names the are one just, who's dead oh Maria's the one that's dead that's right Gabriella yes uh Gabriella is like telling her version of this story to a group of migrant migrant workers who are telling I don't know they're just trying to kill time and you're like what the fuck is happening like what is the point of that okay so this is an attempt to be Jose Chung's from outer space in some ways. This is an episode that was very impressed by Jose Chung's from outer space. And Jose Chung really completely leaned into the but idea. It, well, it, it, it isn't though. I mean, that's the well, thing. It's like John Sheeban had this script in a drawer and then like watch Jose Chung's from outer space and like did a half-assed revision of it. Well, what, but, 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 See, what Jose Chung was ultimately about was the ineffability of truth, that there, that whether or not the truth is out there, we not, may not be able to comprehend it, and whatever we tell – you know, the story that we tell ourselves is going to be a version of that, an interpretation of the truth, and your and my truth can be equally valid but, you know, still be completely contradicting each other because, again, the truth is incomprehensible and we can only take – what we take out of that. That was what suffused the entirety of Jose Chung. This has nothing to do with the unreliability of... Yes, that's true. This has nothing to do with the unreliability of stories until the very end, and what is also... What is... What's a problem with the end of Mundo Jira is that there is a definitive version of the truth, right? Like, as far as we know... What was experienced by Mulder and Scully, their version is the right one, and the story the old lady tells is informed by her need to make this a scary monster movie story to, you know, impart a moral lesson to the kids, you know, and if you don't act good, this is what's going to happen to you. Uh, Gabriella's story is influenced by her, number one, wanting to stick it to ice, and number two, you know, she's just trying to... It's you the know, INS. Impre- it's the nineties still. Okay, fair enough. The INS or and La she's Migra. also Um I don't think it's incidental that she is telling the story to a bunch of dudes at the end. Like she's showing off, she's impressing, she's yeah. doing it just to entertain them. And so those two perspectives though are invalid in their way, and Mulders and Scully's has the ring of authority. And that is kind of a again, the point of Rashomon isn't that there is a definitive version of this story, but that everybody has a different perspective on it, and that is a theme. The way this episode portrays it, the FBI knows what the right version of it is, and everybody else is coming up with these folk tales. And the INS fellow that is with us for the most of this episode tries to make a point about how, oh, they're going to be telling stories because their lives are crap, and this is the only thing they have to, you know, to do. This is the way of, you know passing the time until they die i mean i'm sure someone has a guitar but yes like i i think (laughs) to some degree that's right i mean certainly this is an episode which like you said sees jose chung's from outer space but completely missed the point of it and aside from the opening of the episode i mean we we know that the yellow rain may or may not actually have happened that way um we don't actually get a uh, uh, we we that and that's the problem with the episode is we we don't get a um, definitive version of the events of the episode when Ilario goes off with Maria and Maria is dead and the yellow rain happens 
But that's true of most Monster of the Week stories. It, it It's very, very yeah. usual for the X-Files to portray those events that start the episode. And then, you know, we elide the part where Mulder gets a call on his cell phone and, and someone's saying, hey, this weird thing happened. You should come check it out. You know, they, they get rid of that. I mean, they, they've stopped doing that. We, we kind of know yeah. how they get there at this point. We don't need to see them drive to the airport. But... So it yeah, doesn't. It's true. Even... They have really like they did go out of their way in some early episodes to explain that, and they haven't really cared for a while. Yeah. They really haven't questioned their jurisdiction in a long time. It doesn't huh. really matter. I mean, it's you know, it's the FBI. Yeah. They can do what they want. But it is the case that like so that's the that's problem that's problem number one with the episode is that it doesn't start out in a different place than most Monster of the Week stories. So we're not aware that it's any different except for the thing about the old woman telling the story that's the only part of it which is odd and then that's really easy to overlook though because like i said the next 30 minutes of the episode also forget that and the rest of the 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 episode until you get to the very end of it when when things just completely go off the rails and you just lose all sense of the story whatsoever yeah it's just a straight up monster of the week story Mulder and scully appear they investigate they meet some colorful locals you know and and it's all just fine i mean alario's doing his stuff they find victims so what is actually happening to alario is definitively happening we know it is happening because Mulder and scully are yeah. seeing it happen and i liked uh, but i liked it from the very beginning i liked the beginning of it because it implied that this was going to be, you know, almost a tall tale legend bullshit story in which Mulder and Scully are characters. And I find that kind of playing with, you know, the reality of the situation of the entire thing. You know, you after each commercial break, you go to the old lady and she's saying, well, you know, the detectives had, you know, were at a loss. What was Eladio going to do? You know, that kind of thing. Um, if you keep it into that framing story. And again, it would it's trying to make this parallel to. You know, Mexican soap operas in its way and, you know, don't get between two brothers and, you know, there's a – like, it's doing some cliché tropes in a lot of ways, um, but it's not interested in framing them in the presentation of a, of a telenovela, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I – yeah. if it was trying to make – you know, if it's trying to ape that style for, again, a stylistic choice just as, you know, for example, Home uh, took some – influences from like texas chainsaw massacre kind of movies and was changing the style subtly or musings of a cigarette smoking man if they were interested in changing the visual style of this episode to be a telenovela in order to you know further that theme that you know sometimes in places like these shitty things happen you know one brother is going to kill another brother out of jealousy and you know kill his girlfriend too but i that's all but i think that you're i think you're confusing you're you're confusing visual style with 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 storytelling and with sort of like I mean you can have an episode which is about these people just kind of like spinning out their lives into these larger than life narratives based on telenovelas and the, but you could also have a version of that episode which is shot and and has the mood of a telenovela and yeah, like yeah, I'm not fair. sure which one you thought this was going to be I, yeah, I, I, and I can't necessarily say that 
parodying the style would have made it a stronger episode. No, it would have um, made it a worse episode, and I think it probably would have made it like kind of racist. I mean, like, say what you want about this episode. Yes. At least this is like the one X Files episode that doesn't ha- that has something to do with a non-white culture that isn't like completely embarrassing, but. It's still pretty bad. And, like, there's elements to this episode which are just like, are we supposed to think that Ilario is stupid? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And I feel uncomfortable asking the question. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, and it makes sense if this is fully within the realm of a story. Like, again, Gabrielle's telling, you know, oh, and he took the cop's, you know, the cop's gun and the cop is pleading, yo, no, you have to get... Like, we know that that's just her telling the story and that he's acting utterly out of how he actually would because, again, the story has taken over. Um, If it were stronger about this is a story that the old lady is telling, then at points that Eladio is not making the most rational choice again we can assume well the story is taking over at this point but again i don't think that he's sophisticated enough to write that episode well i think that's really what it comes down to like i mean i, I i'm not trying to be mean but but john sheban is a fine writer and i think that that he's written yeah. some pretty good straight episodes of the x-files but like he should just stick to that like he's not yeah. good at this and he should not try to be this and i'm not sure why no one on the writing staff told him he couldn't do this like I, I don't know like it almost seemed like I, they're I, in the I writer's don't... room they're breaking stories they've got the next four stories broken they get assigned out and John Sheban is like I'll show everybody I'm going to write a wonderful episode and uh, then he comes back with this piece of shit and I mean can you imagine what this episode was like before Chris Carter or whoever rewrote it I mean for Christ's sake like it must yeah. have been even more confusing and but I don't know the maybe, same- maybe it was like wonderful but but then again like why do we need another version of, of Jose Chung's like I don't yeah. I don't that's fine like we don't need another one. I don't get the sense that restraint was a very uh, was a quality in large supply in the writer's room like on the one hand, you know, based on some stuff I've seen, you almost get the sense that they're like, yeah, that's so cool. Run with it. Go for it. You know, and that they like it doesn't seem like this was a writer's room in which a lot of ideas were shot down. No, but I but I think that that's fine. Like most of the writers can pull it off. I mean, look at Leonard. Yeah. Betts, for example, like that episode is completely batshit. But I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. But like it works. But. I don't yeah. know why anyone thought that this like that's the problem is like the 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 straight up narrative of this episode is pretty fucking boring. It's a dude yeah. who like accidentally kills a woman and then he like turns into like a thing and he's got some moss that's I mean whatever like who the fuck cares like it's almost like a lazy parody of an X-Files plot. And then John Sheevan really wants to elevate it and then like he just doesn't do it. Like, that's, I think, what really gets me about it is that he really wants to do something, but he just doesn't do it. Like, if he had done a bad job of it, that would be one thing. Yeah. But he just doesn't do it. Like, for 30 minutes of this episode, it's a completely straight X-Files episode. Yeah, no. And, I, you know, the next if the next 15 – if this had been straight – played straight the full way through, it would have been a better episode. It's it's weird that we – but we I find we get to this point – Every so often, like, I wish they'd tried a little less. Again, Sanguinarium might not have been the greatest X-Files episode, but paradoxically, because it didn't try too hard, it managed to do exactly what it wanted to do and was more, you know, it's, it's it's the old Ebert thing. It's not what it's about, but how it is about it. 
Sanguinarium was really good at being Sanguinarium. El Mundo Jira is not as good as being El Mundo Jira as it ought to be. Yeah, because like I, I don't know, like for example, like the field where I died, right? I, I don't, I yeah. don't love that episode, and I, I kind of think it's kind of bad. But at least it was trying something, and if it wasn't completely successful, I admire the attempt because you can see what where they were going with it, and you can see what they were trying to do. With this, and ep- even stuff like atmospherically, it worked, and in the performance of the main girl, right? Like that was, but like this, epi- those were, st- yeah. This episode to me comes from a place of John Sheeban not being confident enough in his own abilities as a writer, and he's trying to do something that, frankly, is 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 he's trying to punch outside of his weight and he's not able to pull it off. And it's coming yeah. from a place of insecurity. It's not coming from a place of, I want to try and do something really great. And if I'm not completely successful, well, okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, even again, we, I mentioned home earlier, that episode was, that episode tried to elevate itself beyond a monster of the week episode, but I think it did. I think it was very successful at being what it wanted to be telling its themes in the way that made sense you sure. know, stretching out its motifs yeah absolutely and then i i mean i think the other part of it too is is the very end of the episode when Mulder has that line like nobody yeah. notices them they're invisible because they're immigrants you're like what are you doing no it, it, it they've the episode they've got feels mushroom like it came heads you know, the, the the one line that Scully has, you know, the aliens in the story aren't the villains, they're the victims, like, came up with the pun between outer space aliens and, you know, immigrant aliens and thought that that was very profound. And it's such a stretch that it's a little – it's the kind of thing you do when you're 16 and you think is impressive. Like, that. that's – that's, I guess, it. Like, when I say the writer's room didn't have restraint, it seems like there was almost some 16-year-old sensibility. It's like, no, oh, that's really got to be cool. Oh, and, you know, you don't know whose story is real. You don't know if it's the old ladies or Gabriella's or, you know. And, ooh, nobody cares about these people. They're the real aliens. Like, you could see, like, a group of teenage boys thinking that's really cool, just as you could see the writer's room of the X-Files thinking that's really cool. Yes, yes. And I, I think you'll see that in the next episode. But before we get there, I just want to take an opportunity to remind you that tuning in is listener supported. If you would like to give us a little bit of money, please go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. And the reason I say that is that Leonard Betts is an episode that should not work. And <laughs> it, it almost doesn't work. And I think a lot of what I find so confusing about Leonard Betts is that it was written by Frank Spotnitz, who was instrumental in and co-wrote a lot of the mythology episodes with Chris Carter, Vince Gilligan, who we know who Vince Gilligan is, and John Sheban. So, <laughs> like, I guess if John Sheban is writing with other people, he can pull it off. But for some reason, when he's by himself, he just doesn't know what the fuck to do. I, you know, maybe Sheban came up with like some of the imagery of the because again, I liked the imagery in. Uh, El Mundo Jira, the you know the fungus. That's a very you know striking thing, and maybe so. Maybe he's the one who came up with the uh, you know the, the 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 remains disposal and them having to go through that, or the bathtub full of iodine, or growing another head, and you know 
Vince Gilligan came up with the the character and his journey and all of that, and Frank Spotness came up with the mythology connections at the end. And I mean, I mean that that's yeah, that's how this Frankenstein monster happened. <laughs> but I think I mean the other thing too that I, I just want to be clear about is that like I'm criticizing John Sheevan a lot, but what's interesting about the X Files is that they were hiring writers that had never written for television before or had written very infrequently for television before. And so, you know, John Sheeban, this was only his third script for the X-Files. He writes a lot more and they're much better. And I think that like John Sheeban's early stuff for the show, the walk, which is fine. Tasis dos B shows, which is a mess and El Mundo hero, which is an incomprehensible mess. Are, are are not great, and I think the last two are pretty bad. They're certainly worse than Vince Gilligan's early work. Yeah, but Vince Gilligan has figured it out. John Sheeban figures it out. Like he gets a lot better. He he understands what he does. And next week he writes an episode that's one of my favorite of the entire series. So at least he will get to that place. But we're not there yet. Yeah. So we'll talk about Leonard Betts. See, and I didn't like this episode as much, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why. Um, I loved how it connects into the mythology at the end, and I found it all worth it for that. Um, but I don't know. Well, what didn't you, what didn't you like about it? I'm not interested in Leonard as a character is part of it. This is the kind of thing where you, again, I like these episodes better when you get inside the head of the, of the monster of the week where they actually show a little more. And I found him a little more of a black box than I think he ought to have been. Um, it's just a lack of connection to, I, I think character. that's fair. And, and certainly Vince Gilligan gets famous later on for, for really doing a good yeah. job at, at getting into the heads of the monsters of the week. And I think you're already starting to see that with something like, yeah. Rue, for example, um, or paper hearts again, or this paper was, hearts. Yeah. Leonard Betts is no what's his name Roche. That's part of that. That's an unfortunate part of the problem. It certainly it does feel like a grab bag of X Files stuff, and I think that I, I go back and forth about whether or not the black boxness of Leonard Betts is intentional or not. I, I kind of feel like it is um, because he's not the point of the episode, and yeah. the episode essentially is a jigsaw puzzle that gets us to the very end of it. And what I mean by that is that this is an episode that is setting up a storyline. And, yeah, you know, it's a fine episode. Like, I think that in terms of the... In terms of the sort of the graphicness of the X-Files, this is becoming a much more gory show. Yes. Um, this is something I've noticed in the fourth season, for sure. And I even think that El Mundo Hero was was somewhat gory. I mean, the, the certainly the, the dead corpses covered in yes. uh, fungus and moss or whatever were not pleasant to look at. You know, Leonard Bentz is like, you know, what the fuck? I mean, Sanguinarium, <laughs> right? Like with blood everywhere and people getting stabbed with, uh, you know, medical instruments and stuff. Um, or again, Home, 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 which is a lot more directly violent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This, this show is getting very gory. And and this is a gory episode. I mean, we've got uh, someone losing his head. We we've got you know a man coming out of iodine. We've got people getting stabbed. The ch- chests opening up. Um, it's it's pretty gross. His head is being sliced. I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of imagery in this episode that is, that is unpleasant on its face to look at. And yeah, like Leonard Betts himself is not really much of a character, but I don't think he's the point of the episode. And like I said before, he's a vehicle just to get us to the end of the episode. Yeah. Is that enough? 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, oh. I like seeing Mulder and Scully figure out a mystery. And I think that yeah. they keep Leonard Betts on the run for most of the episode, which I enjoy watching. So, you know, is this like the most revelatory episode? Does it have a lot of subtext? Maybe not. But I, I like well, it for what it is, I think. So I, 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 I'd actually like to talk about the end as the next step. So um, this is setting up Scully having cancer, right? Like this is where we're going with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not assuming. even being coy about it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is something that we kind of knew. I mean the episode where she meets up with the other women who had been abducted or whatever and she learns that they all have – you know, are made of cancer at that point. Um, and so I guess this episode is – getting us to it's characterizing cancer in its way right like leonard betts is extra is very closely identified with cancer right like he eats it his brain is composed of entirely cancer cells at this point um this a, a, and when you consider some of the i mean black cancer is the name for the oil you know we have you know the cigarette smoking man's one of his alternate nicknames is cancer man like cancer is a major motif in this story and this is so this episode kind of goes to make itself the monster i mean what what is re, in in a way what's the difference in horror levels between brain cancer and somebody murdering you like they are both horrible painful things i would think i'd rather be i mean i'd rather have your brain cancer i think but anyway I mean, I kind of agree with you, and I, I kind of disagree with you. I mean, again, it's it's the theme that the show is setting up. It's not necessarily how I feel about it, but I think they are certainly making cancer monstrous. Well, I guess my question would be like, what what is the purpose? What are they trying to say? I mean, are they trying to say that the conspiracy is the cancer at the heart of the like American society or something? Like, what I mean. I I I I don't. You know gotta if you, you gotta necessary. spin this one out a little more, Richard. I'm not sure I can. I mean, like I, I it, it, it's 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 because this is the kind of it's a cheesy theme. I don't know if they. I think it is possible that at some point Chris Carter had said, "Well, just as cancer gets the body, the you know this conspiracy has infected like." Don't you think that's something he could have said at some point? Yes, and and no, keep going with that because I think that you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think that you are understanding, you know, something that is at the heart of the X Files, which is that it's kind of cheesy. Yeah, but like in the in that very earnest, like like I said, I gave the image of the writers' room as a bunch of sixteen year olds. Like I think for them, this is a deep theme, and it's not a terrible motif to use. It's it is. You know, I mean, c- cancer is one of my all-purpose metaphors. It's one that you see a lot of used a lot in terms of. I mean, how many times have I seen gone on Mastodon and seen somebody says, "Well, you know, in capitalism, unrestrained growth is, is you know success." Yeah, it is. Capitalism is still around. <laughs> it always will be. Um, you know, for capitalism, a, a successful business is one that just keeps growing and growing. What's a cell that keeps growing and growing? Cancer. And you know, like I, 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 I it's, it's, it's a, it is an all-purpose metaphor because I mean, I don't think we necessarily need a television show to explain to us that cancer is horrible. Most people have seen somebody who has, you know, suffered from it, and you know, kind of know that it's a bad thing. Um, it, yeah, I mean, certainly it's bad. Well, that that's you know. <laughs> Great breaking news on tuning in. Cancer is bad, especially when it's like 
you know, personified in a person and, and, and murders yeah. people. Um, yeah, but like, I don't know, like, to what end? Like, yeah, sure. I mean, cancer is bad, and this is a cancer at the heart of the society, and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, I don't know. What well, it, that's, I, there's nothing you know, really to but... say about that. It's not complicated. Yeah, but but isn't there a degree of diagnosis going on? I mean, we've talked a lot about the 90s as, you know, we like just today on Trek About, we were doing an episode and we were saying, oh, this is the animal testing episode. People were really, you know, upset about animal testing in the 90s because everyone thought everything was fine, you know, and there were no real problems. And... You know, not to say that, like, you know, testing on animals is not a problem, but yeah. No, no, no. But um, one of the hallmarks of the past few years socially has been people revealing that, no, a lot of things that we thought had been taken care of, racism, sexism, et cetera, et cetera, are actually much more ingrained than we ever thought they had been. And diagnosis is important. Now, it's not the last step, but, you know, I think for the X-Files to say, you know, America has cancer. Well, to us, that seems like, well, yeah, duh, we know that. I mean, I think it, there was a degree to which that statement was a little more relevatory at the time. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I, I'm never really sure what Chris Carter's politics or what he actually thinks about America is. And I think that, that is a question that perhaps we cannot answer at it satisfactorily right at this moment. Maybe we can answer it in a few seasons. I don't know. But there, there is a – in a lot of ways, The X-Files is a very naive show, which is kind of a weird thing to say in, in that it is about the truth and, and cov- you know uncovering <laughs> things and stuff. But like in a certain sense, it is naive because it – believes that there is a truth and that governments and institutions are there to protect us and that they are i mean and i kind of believe that but i also believe that it's very easy for the institutions and apparatus of government to be hijacked by you know a relatively small group of of insane people i.e the republican party and so (laughs) you know i i don't necessarily think that that i mean you know we have to protect ourselves and so there's not a lot that you can do with that i mean not i mean Mulder and scully aren't real and so they're not actually out there saving the day all the time i mean i wish they were but they're not so yeah i mean maybe there isn't that much we can do with it this is you know i i i know a lot of of our discussions have been to the effect of well you know this was more than just you know a monster show that was on Fox, you know, five for a while. But at the same time, this was a popular monster show that was on Fox. How much can we expect? It is, you know, if, if that's a very simple pop theme, this is in some ways a pop show. Well, yes. And I, I, I think there's a reason why we choose to criticize pop culture as opposed to yeah. high culture, because I don't find high culture to be all that interesting. I mean, certainly it's, it's interesting, but I, I, I think that pop culture is, is, is a more interesting vehicle for 
uh, yeah. cultural subversion than high culture is because we expect it from high culture. We don't necessarily expect it from pop culture. And so, you know, something like Star Trek, for example, which gets overblown for its socialist tendencies, but at the end of the day, it does have those tendencies and that it is yeah. a very popular mass cultural phenomenon is, is interesting. And I think that's, you know, that that's also why the X-Files is interesting because it is saying things that are sort of like there is a cancer at the core of American society uh, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I mean, we've gone a little far afield from Leonard Betts, but uh, hey, have you listened to our podcast before? Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Leonard Betts is a, is, is a good episode that is just not really about much. Yeah, I, again, I think it's more important for what it's about to be setting up. Um, and I mean, did you find the episode effective, at least? I mean, do you think that, like, what was happening was interesting? Or were you just kind of like, all right, whatever, I don't care? As a gross-out sci-fi medical slasher mystery, yeah, it was a fine... It was fine at that. It was a fine episode of television. You know, will Leonard Betts be one of my favorites? Probably not. Um, but I, but I, I kind of feel like the 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 blankness at the core of Leonard Betts' character was kind of intentional. I mean, a Leonard Betts isn't even really yeah. his real name. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue. He has no friends. He has no life. He has no you know husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, dog, cat. He doesn't seem to really be engaged with the world in any way, shape, or form. And I think that's intentional. Yeah. I don't think that that's something that they missed. I mean, I don't think he's supposed to be an interesting character. No, no. And there are some, you know, it's not going quite as far as, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 um, Tombs? Yes. It's not going quite as far as Tombs where he, you know, we can we we can only vaguely specify speculate about what his interior monologue is like he is more of a human than in his way than teams was at least in terms of his he has more of a psychological character i would say than tombs did well Um, yeah because i mean tombs was so blank as to almost be like is he did he have a lobotomy i mean like you know and so leonard betts is not that of course and i i do like the fact that the episode does kind of side you know, kind of subvert your expectations a little bit where initially you think Leonard Betts just has this, this weird ability and, and, and who's he really harming. And then of course it turns out that yeah. in sort of, you know, typical X-Files, uh, uh, you know, typical X-Files uh, uh, narrative structure, he is actually uh, taking something uh, from people and murdering them, um, which geez, I mean, that's just a shame, but I don't know. It's... Yeah, when he gets to a certain point of desperation, he will turn violent. This is, you know, there is a degree to which you can say about monsters like this. Well, he's just trying to eat. Like it's, it's if he's he's putting in a position where he's going to be able to swipe biomass that would have been burned anyway. Like he's not hurting anybody, and maybe that's the case. But at some point, he makes the active choice to, you know, murder for his thing. And well, that I think, yeah, because I, I mean, I think that that's really what is at the core of all of these monster of the week episodes or a lot of them is that you know we call the monster of the week episodes but but they're not monsters like they're not sociopathic killers for the most part some of them are of course i mean someone like um uh, what's his name from from paper hearts for instance is is certainly uh you know a sociopathic killer but and unruh and episodes like that but there is a Leonard Betts is not that, or or Tombs is not that even. The Fluke Man is not that, right? Like, these are characters that have a very particular biological necessity that 
they i mean certainly they have an they have a survival instinct it it, it kicks in and they're making a bad choice they're they're murdering people that is not yeah. a good thing to do but their violence is not they, they don't take pleasure in the violence for its they're own not, sake yeah it's not for its own sake it's not the sort of thing that like for example the cigarette smoking man seems to take at least a little bit of pleasure in it um or at least has made some moral justifications for why he's doing what he's doing. Right. And I mean, you could take the Fluke Man tombs and Leonard Betts and put them almost on a sliding scale. Like, I would say the Fluke Man is has no culpability for his actions because, you know, he doesn't seem to have the intellect to, you know, that he's much more animalistic. Um, tombs is a little further on the idea of having, you know, a, that that, you know, has a few more intellect points, but doesn't seem to be fully there but i would say leonard betts knows what he's doing you know in terms of moral culpability leonard betts has it i i think so i mean certainly he you know that that's and maybe this is intentional maybe it's not i don't know but you know the the one large problem of the episode is like what is all this for like why why is he continuing to do this i mean okay he wants to survive he wants to stay alive sure but the the issue really is that he's not very good at it I mean, he doesn't leave Pittsburgh, right? And he goes to the same exact hospital. Like, well, it's, think it's, about a, it's a different hospital. It is a different hospital. Um, oh, okay, fair but enough. But it, it is still Pittsburgh. We're not talking about New York City or Los Angeles, or you know, I mean, like, yeah. This is think not about a large Sanguinarium. City. At Sanguinarium is kind of similar, but the doctor gets a job in a completely different city with a completely different face. This is somebody who is famous enough that he's been written up in the local papers, who goes into the same city in the same industry, you know, where they likely would know about a famous EMT in the area. And, you know, he doesn't seem to make the smartest of choices he doesn't seem to make the smartest of choices i also don't necessarily think that we're supposed to think that he is the smartest of people and and i think and i well yeah and i I mean and the other part of it too of course that we haven't really touched on is is the existence of his mother uh yeah who also seems to be the one that's protecting him to a large degree has perhaps handicapped his critical (laughs) thinking facilities to some degree uh and is really fucking creepy yeah, I mean, there's that one story where, you know, she says, oh, he was beaten up by some people, but he didn't even move a muscle, you know, and something. And that suggests something quite not right with him at that point as a child. I don't know. But certainly you get the way that she says, oh, he's destined for great things and all of that. She has somewhere between, again, crippled his emotional and, you know, cognitive abilities and you know, coddled him and protected him and built him up. So that way, I don't know, like he feels just, this is somebody who has been raised in a way which has justified viewing other people as lesser than him. Yes, because his mother has told him that and he believes her because he may not be the most intelligent of people. Does that do anything for us? I don't know, but it's a... It justifies the character, explains the character. I think it does, yeah. And and I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning of, of this segment, this episode is certainly not the best. I think it's 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 adequate enough. But but what it really is getting to is that you know, quote unquote, shocking revelation at the end of the episode that Scully has cancer. <laughs> and you know, where is that going to go? We don't know, but we'll have to see. Yeah. 
Well, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. If you would like to give the show some financial support, it also does support our other podcast, Truckabout. Uh, we are continuing the fourth season of Star Trek Voyager right now. So do go to truckaboutshow.com and check that out as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Tuning in Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an Apple Podcast review for tuning in. Next week, we find out about Scully's cancer rather quickly. These are uh, next week is actually like a really good week for Scully. Uh, both of her episodes. Oh, good. Uh, it's been a while since she's actually had like a really good episode. So it's, it's. I'm glad she got to kick ass at the end of this one. I know. What were those kicks, man? Like Jillian Anderson Day. was really working out with uh, some <laughs> stunt coordinator and trainer. I mean, good for her. Like, man. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about Never Again and Memento Amore. Mac, why do you?